0: Let's, uh, let's look at Acts uh, 9, 19 through 20 today. Uh, <clears throat> after taking some food, this is about Paul, he regained his strength, even though they're referring to him as Saul. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some days. Immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. And he was saying that Jesus is the Son of God. This is his mission. And today we're gonna see how he got to that point. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, if you prompt me with it, I wanna be obedient to speak to it. Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. Uh, I'm your teacher and your preacher, and upon me is a greater judgment, a more strict judgment. Uh, and I, I know that and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach, amen. Be seated, it's good to see you. Remember, uh, we're, this is the last uh, sermon in the uh, adjustment series, that when, when God moves, when he's doing what he does, when he reveals, uh, you're gonna have to make some adjustments. This is my prayer for the Asbury Revival. It's one thing to be in that service, but when you leave it, they're gonna have to make the adjustments that 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 are necessary as he has revealed things to them. It will have to happen. They are not exempt from it either. And I encourage you to go, I really do. I pray the Lord reveals things to you there, but when you when that revelation comes, he's, he's showing you what he's gonna do and the adjustments and the rearrangement have to occur. So when God speaks, he is revealing what he is about to do. He doesn't just reveal for the fun of it to make us look afraid or, or whatever, to play games with us. This revelation is an invitation to you and to us to join him in his work. So there are adjustments, surrender, obedience. There's a dependence on God. I say this line, this little phrase, every sermon in an adjustment series. And uh, you don't mature to be more independent from the Lord. You mature to be more dependent on the Lord. You don't grow independent of him, you become more dependent on him. <clears throat> so God is revealing to Saul which later will become Paul, and we'll explain his name switch there in a moment. And he has invited him. And as I read, you see the mission that he's invited him on. So I'm just gonna go down through the the verses. I'm gonna go from verses one to 20, and that sounds like a lot. Uh, It really isn't, I've broken them down. I want you to look at Acts nine, one and two for a moment. Now, Saul is his, is his Jewish name. That's the name that was given to him, probably, uh, probably named after Saul, the first king of Israel. Uh, they came out of the same tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. So you know, how, you know how we can do that with names. There's a connection piece, and somebody's got some uh, prominence, and they name another child after him. And later, is gonna be, we're gonna call him Paul because he had that name too because he was born uh, as a Roman citizen. Uh, so, it, and we'll talk about the switch in the names here in just a minute. But I want you to, let's look at verse one. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he, had, he has access to uh, the high courts. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him. Uh, to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any, any men or women who belonged to the way, now they didn't call Christians Christians yet. All right, they called them people of the way, people of the way. That's why when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life, and so they're referred to as people of the way. They weren't, they weren't announced Christians. That happens at Antioch. So, if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He's full of threats. He's full of plots of murder. He he, he did he did give the the papers to have a great young preacher killed, named Stephen. Uh, he's into imprisoning people, and he's doing this in the tradition of his. Uh, his ancestry, the, the fathers before him, and he is committed as a Jewish Pharisee. He's committed to that. I want you to look how he speaks of this in, in his own life. Uh, Acts 8.3, which is an earlier chapter. But Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He, he, would enter, he would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them into prison he did this look at galatians 1:13 for you have heard about my former way of life this is paul talking in judaism i persecuted god's church to an extreme degree and i tried to destroy it let me let me let me i want you to shout about this okay either inwardly or outwardly but the church of jesus will never be destroyed do you hear that it, it is indestructible, and the book of Acts shows us that language barriers didn't stop the gospel. Economic barriers did not stop the gospel. Governments could not stop the gospel. In fact, if you read the Bible, every time a martyr is killed, it says the blood of the martyrs produce the church of the Lord. Uh, it's very important, and, and Christian martyrdom is at an all-time high. The, every year, every year, more and more Christians are martyred for their faith than ever before. In fact, some say they're martyred, uh, if you were to add all the centuries together, before ours, this one now, they would, uh, they, this, this century will out-total those. So if you think martyrdom for the faith is lowering, it's not, it's rising. And so the the blood of the martyrs gives birth to the church. Uh, I just want you to know, Satan's not going to destroy it. Kings and armies and governments and balloons flying over your country, they're not going to destroy it. Do you understand that? The church of Jesus Christ will never be destroyed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You just better make sure you're a part of the church. It's relationship with Jesus and then the fellowship of the church. That may be sermon number two. I don't know how many you're gonna go home with today. So Saul is his Jewish name. He's a Jewish Pharisee who's strictly against everything Christ stands for. Uh, and it's the time of persecution. So if you really want to say Saul is his name when he persecuted and Paul becomes his name as a missionary, you can kind of say that. You can do that kind of uh, in a way, but it it, hel- it can help you to know that uh, Saul is referred to in the, because Paul ends up talking about himself by calling him Referring to himself as Paul, so uh, if you want to see the persecution that is Saul, and then the missionaries Paul, you can do that. It, it, if that helps you, you can do that. Uh, look at look at verses uh, three through six in Acts nine. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. And I've I've gotta go back to that one, Lane. I just gotta tell you, I I got into some old Hank Williams right here when I was studying, right? You you all know the song, right? Is it playing in your head right now? Of I saw the light, I saw the light, no more dying. So when that happened, I I went to old Hank there for a second, and and this light came, flashed around him, verse four, He's falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you, why are you persecuting me? Uh, who are you, Lord, he said. He goes, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. Uh, then, but, uh, but get up and go into the city, which is a reference to Damascus, and you will be told what you, you must do there. Let's go back to, to, to verse three. Uh, he's he's going down the road, traveling like he does. He's on, he's on mission to get up all the people of the way, either have them killed or have them imprisoned. He's doing this with great zeal. Uh, he loves it because he's standing for the Jewish people. <clears throat> and uh, this light comes and he falls to the ground, verse four. And I, I, I wanna say this to you. Th- this is after the resurrection, okay? This is after the ascension. Jesus has already gone to the Father, to the throne. All right? And I hear people say that God doesn't speak and he doesn't speak in an audible voice. Don't say that to Paul. Because he's already left the earth. He's already ascended and here he has, and I want you to know, he's not going, hey buddy. He knows exactly who this guy is. Saul, Saul. The double use there is an emphasis, like when your mom and dad used your middle name, right? There's a double emphasis there. Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? Now, I, I wanna work on this phrase, the question: why are you persecuting me? Who's he persecuting? He's persecuting believers, but that's not what Jesus says. You remember in First Samuel eight when the people wanted a king, they didn't want God to be king, and so they they God gave them Saul, and he was a disobedient king. And uh, but the people were asking Samuel to give them a king; they didn't want God to be king anymore and so samuel went off and prayed and he went to the lord and here's what the lord said he said uh, he said samuel they are not rejecting you they are rejecting me so here you're going well jesus is not the one being persecuted or punished here it is the It is the the believers who are being persecuted in employment. You remember the scripture verse in the Gospels where it says if you go to visit somebody in prison, what does he say? You have visited who? When you give somebody who is thirsty a drink, he he says you've not given water just to them, but you've given water to who? To Jesus. And when you give somebody clothes that don't have clothes, he says you've not only clothed them, you have what? You have clothed me. You, when you do this to the least of these, what does he say? You have done it unto me. Unto me. So whenever, whenever displacement, all these things that are going on, uh, persecution in other parts of our world, it's not just happening to the believers, it is happening to the believers, but it's happening to him. You need to understand when what you're going through and, and listen, it's the enemy who makes you think you are alone. Are you all listening? It's the enemy. When you're going through difficult times, he suffers right along with you. It's not just happening to you. It's happening to him. The, the, the persecution here, he doesn't say, why are you persecuting my people? He doesn't say that. Why are you persecuting my believers? He doesn't say that. He says, why are you persecuting me? Very important part that you understand that he's making a stance uh, and, and he's really standing before us. And I, I hope that you see that, that, beautiful, that beautiful picture. And then in verse five, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus. I am the one you are persecuting. He, he, so he, he gives him instruction here. And here begins a little bit of the invitation. God's gonna do something in Paul's life. He's gonna do, and here's part of the reveal in the invitation, but get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. You will be told what you must do. So let's go to verses seven through nine. Let's go to Acts nine, seven through nine. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. Well, what else are you going to do? Right? I mean, a light comes out of heaven that you could get a sunburn from, you know? And here they're standing by and it says, they are speechless, hearing the sound but not seeing no one. Uh, It says, then Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He was blinded. And so they they took him by the hand and they led him into Damascus. And he was unable to see for three days. And during those three days, he did not eat or drink, no food or water. Let's look at Acts chapter nine, verses 10 through 19. This is where the crux of the sermon is. And there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he responds, here I am, Lord. They know each other, we've got, we've got a resurrected Jesus calling out his name. You'll, you'll hear people say, that I, you know why we say we don't hear in an audible voice is because we don't want people to think we're crazy. Right, we don't want, but he, here's two episodes that a resurrected Jesus spoke in an audible voice uh, to Paul and now to Ananias. And uh, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he said. He said, get up, get up and go to the street called Straight. And the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there, just leave that there, like. I want you to to see a, a God of detail here. I want you to see a God that connects the dots. Some of the greatest ways that I have prayed for people to come to know the Lord is for ask the Lord to divinely appoint somebody that they don't even know to come in and speak into their life. They're used to me, they're used to you. They've heard you, they've heard me. But when God sends a person divinely appointed by him, it seems to wake them up just a little bit. So one of the ways that I pray for people to come to Christ is I'm going, God, I'm asking you to supernaturally intervene and blow their mind. To just like, they're sent by God and the person that's receiving that knows that they are. So the Lord is putting all this together. Don't you see this? I think this is so beautiful. He's sending Paul, Saul then, but he's sending him to Damascus. And he then, then as he's going to Damascus and he gets there, he's telling Ananias what he needs to be able to do. I want you to go to this certain house and you're gonna find this man from Tarsus. He even knows where Saul's from. And you're you're gonna see this man and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Look how detailed this is. You think the Lord doesn't know? You know, that's what I don't understand about in revival, personal, collective, whatever, that you're afraid to confess things that the Holy Spirit brings up as if you're gonna say something to Jesus he doesn't already know about you? Do you think when you bring things up to the Lord that are burdens and habitual sins and things that you hide from the general public or maybe even a spouse, do you think that when you confess that to the Lord that he's gonna go, no wait a minute, What what are you doing? Do you think he doesn't already know? He knows, look at the detail. He knew where, to, he knew where uh, Paul was going. He knew who to use in Damascus. He knew where a house to send him to. He knew who to tell him to look for and from where he's from. He knew all those things. See, I see a God here, and I think this is beautiful, that absolutely connects the dots. It connects the dots for every, every single one of him, of, of one of us. And then in verse, uh, uh, since he is praying there, meaning he's already beginning to pray. And in verse 12, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he can regain his sight. God is giving direction to, to Paul then. I'll just go ahead and keep calling him Paul. He's giving direction to him then. And then verse 13, Lord Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man. He's afraid of Paul. Right. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And verse 14, And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, to kings, and to the Israelites. Verse 16, I will show him how much he must suffer uh, for my name. And verse 17, so Ananias left and entered the house. This is where Paul is. He placed his hands on him and said, "'Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, "'who appeared to you on the road you were traveling.'" Now, Ananias wasn't there, but but he's reading his mail. You got it? That's for all the Pentecostals here this morning. "'Who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, "'has sent me so that you can regain your sight "'and be filled with the Holy Spirit.'" At once, something like scales, now remember his eyes were open, but he couldn't see. All right? But something like scales fell from his eyes. And this is what I pray for people who are not saved. The the word of God tells us that they are veiled. They have a veil over them where the enemy has put a veil. And this is a prayer that I pray, Lord, remove the veil. Lord, remove the scales that are there. And, and something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some day now. I want us to go back to verse 15, if you can, Lane. In verse 15, it says, but the Lord said to him, go for this man as my chosen instrument, and he's gonna take my name to Gentiles. Now, hang on, he's a Jew. Okay? Do Jews like Gentiles? No. Gentiles are outcasts. They don't wanna be around them, right? Now, he's taking a man who is educated and groomed to be a leader in the Jews, and he's sending them where? to the people he was taught to not like as he was growing up as a boy. Uh, take my name to the Gentiles, to kings, and even to the people of Israel. I want you to key in on the on the word instrument there. This is my chosen vessel. This is the sermon part today that I really want you to take home. It is a word that means vessel or jar, like a container. Uh, it is, uh, it's it's used as a tool to hold something, like we all have containers and stuff at home, and I, there, I know there's been in here, they've got a million washers and bolts and nuts and stuff at a jar in your garage, right? Just in case I need one, and it'll take me three weeks to go through it to find it. Right, but I've got them, you know? So it's used as a container. Uh, and what do you do with containers? You use them, and you mainly, the whole, The whole premise is here, and the answer is you fill them up. So I I want you to see this. God is revealing to Paul, Saul then. He's revealing to him who he is, and he's revealing to him what he's going to do. I'm, I'm gonna send him to Gentiles and to kings and to the people of Israel. And he's in, this is an invitation, all of this right here is an invitation for Saul, Paul, to join him in his work. It is a point of salvation and a great invitation for him to come. And so go to verse 17, Lane, if you will. So what do you do with a container or a jar? You fill it up. I want you to see, I want you to see where this is happening. Uh, so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lane, can you bring the big five back up? I told you I was gonna wear y'all out with this today. All right? If you do this every day, it's gonna be a constant feeling of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you want personal or collective revival, you have to respond to what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. And you have to respond immediately to that. This is important. You are a vessel. God didn't make you to populate this earth haphazardly. God made you to use you as an instrument in his kingdom. Every single one of us. That's why he made you. He made you to love you with an everlasting love and for you to love him back. And here we are, these empty vessels, right? And look what we fill them with. Look how much of the world we fill this vessel. And this vessel is for him. But look how much of the world you fill it up with. and it's meant to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Every one of us, we're we're not just getting, we're not just getting Paul ready for mission here, and you're not, we are vessels, we are jars of clay. We are his instrument, we are his workmanship, it says. We are that, and we, we fill it up with the world, And we wonder why things aren't going the way they are in the kingdom. And what's meant to be filled up in this vessel is the Holy Spirit of God. Filled with it. Learning to be directed by it and to speak to it. And then Galatians 5, 22 and 23, in peace and love and joy and gentleness and kindness and all that, faithfulness and self-control. and It just goes on and on. That's who we are and that's what he does. So what do you do with the container when it's empty? You fill it up, but I have to ask the question, are you filling this container up, your container with the world or are you filling it up with the things of God predominantly the Holy Spirit of God and then look at verse 18 look at verse 18 and I had him throw up the big five because if you do that that's what's going to happen you are going to experience personal revival in your life God is gonna feel closer to you than he's ever felt in your life if you will do these things on a daily basis. You're going, man, I can't work them in. Yes, you can. You work everything else in. You can work those in. And when that happens, the intimacy of God will occur, and personal revival will occur with you. Verse 18, it says that he received his sight, and then one of the first things he did after he received his sight, is he was baptized. We're filling him up again, right? He's baptized and he's set aside. I just wanna tell you, uh, I I don't wanna be the one to tell you you need to be baptized, I can be, but I would rather you let the Holy Spirit lead you to be baptized. And if you're here today, see me after the service. See one of our altar counselors, do whatever. I'll, I'll be happy to chat with you after the service. But let's, let's get you there. That's, an, that's a next step of obedience that you have to do. And, and the Apostle Paul becomes a beautiful picture of this. As soon as he regained his sight, he was baptized and he, he was set apart. <clears throat> and then he's lingering with the disciples for a few days, learning from them. Acts 9.20, this happens a lot. In 9.20, he starts preaching immediately. Uh, And then he backed off. And he went and spent years of discipleship. And a lot of people believe that he pondered three years in Arabia, he pondered that that light coming to him out out of nowhere, out of heaven on that Damascus road what the Lord spoke to him. He pondered all the, the call of God, the prayer of God, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism, and he, he, he was able to be able to blend that all together. F. F. Bruce, one of my favorite theologians, he said two things happened at once. Paul's conversion and his commissioning happened together. Uh, God had revealed what he was going to do, Paul was hearing the invitation and he began to take steps in that invitation to become the preacher, teacher, evangelist, missionary, and church planter that we know him today. Martin Debelius, one of my favorite books on Paul, and it's basically almost a primary source. He said that God didn't change Paul's desire. He just changed the direction of his desire the zeal that he had to persecute the church became the zeal that he had to grow the church and to rescue people he just it's the same desire he just switched the direction of it of what he was able to do i want you to read i want you to walk you through this <clears throat> it's beautiful in the in that paul wrote about himself when he's writing to timothy <clears throat> in his first timothy 1 12 through 17, let's just go through this. This is a beautiful, beautiful testimony. I I pray that as we read this, it resembles you. It says, give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry. One who was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, And an arrogant, and even the word in there means a violent man. But I receive mercy, haven't you? What what really should come our way, he holds it back. I mean, everything that should come our way in punishment, he holds it back. And in grace. He gives you what you don't even deserve. How beautiful is our God? Because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed, which it does, doesn't it? Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance and here's the saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them. But I receive mercy because of this, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ might demonstrate the utmost patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Church, let's say this one together, will you? With me? Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, God will reveal And when he reveals to you, he's going to show you what he's going to do. And there'll be an invitation for you to join him. And when we walk into that invitation, there's an adjustment. There's a rearrangement of our life and it's glorious. It's a kingdom adjustment. And I I want you to see, he called Paul. He said, the Lord said, he is my chosen vessel. Well then, what are we? What are we? You are his instrument. My prayer today is that he fill you with the Holy Spirit. My prayer today is that you live in the grace of God, knowing that our creativity, our intellect and all that, and he, he, he gives you what you don't deserve. I pray that you see that today. His mercy holds back what rightfully should be on me Isn't it a privilege to have faith in Him? I get the chance. I get the chance to put my faith in Him, to be clean before Him in forgiveness, knowing that He is the life giver, both this life here and then the one who is to come. The invitation is this, whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you come. What does the Holy Spirit say to you today? Listen, we're not gonna gonna beat you up. We're not gonna judge, you. we're not gonna throw rocks at you. We're here with you, okay, we're family. Whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I pray that you have the courage to respond to it today. So church, would you stand with me? And then our our counselors, would you come and, and find your place at the altar? And then you come, whosoever will, for whatever reason, you come.